Welcome, everybody, to the Between Two Wheels podcast, rest day number two. Had, what, the, the two weekends now, the Tour de France. We're now entering the uh, second rest day. Overall, GC is taking shape, and here's what we have on cap today. Reactions and results from stage 14 and 15. That was over the weekend. Uh, I took time off from the podcast. COVID-19 round two testing. Who's uh, going home? Are there any false positives? We have some results from the first round of testing. Ineos Grandelaires, um, are they rethinking their tour selection team? Bob Youngles, he makes uh, Jonathan Butters upset, and but others are coming to his defense. We'll play a little clip of that. Some things to make it go home in the ride of the week. And Roglic, he says, I'm clean, I'm drug-free, trust me. Do we trust him? Uh, welcome, everybody. Um, like I said, rest day, and for us, is it a rest day? No, I'm coming in here. I know there's a lot of other podcasts that are taking the day off, so I thought I would at least make the uh, the effort to do a little bit of a recap. Uh, busy weekend for me. I don't know, you know, here in Northern California and all over California and um, actually up in Washington, my, my son's up in uh, Oregon, Washington, going to college. And he sent me uh, air quality. It was 450 something uh, where he was at. I mean, that was uh, horrific. We're in the 200 sometimes, the high 150s, 180s, which is not good to get out and ride. So I didn't uh, what I did instead was uh, I'm redoing my whole entire garage, made a workbench. Uh, maybe we'll throw some pictures up of that at some point. Um, anyway, welcome. Um, glad everyone's here and I uh, hope you're enjoying the, uh, the Tour de France. Let's get to stages 14 and 15 on the recap. Uh, stage 14 was Saturday. It was Clermont-Ferrand to Lyon, 197 kilometers. You know, we're just coming off uh, Friday, which had a good climbing day and um, some some wacky results going on there. So we thought we would, uh, the, the tour is like, hey, let's just take a slight break in the GC and then hit you hard on Sunday and give a rest day before we just really take the slog into the into the Alps. So they're uh, in the Jura Mountains here. Uh, the mountains on that day, though, was a four, a two, a three, a four, and a four. And remember, remember uh, previously we had had Sagan getting relegated, so he missed out on a bunch of his points for the green jersey. He really seems to want that. He really seems to have a problem with the wow. We talked about that. Um, so he's going up against Bennett. And to get that, uh, Bennett can't get over climbs like uh, Sagan does. So the team went to the front, hammered it on the early cap four, distance Bennett. And um, in the end, there's a little break off there. I'm not sure where the sprint was on that, but uh, Sagan, I, he was ahead of Bennett. So he took, uh, I think, 15 points. Bennett took uh, 10, so he gets an additional five. And now they're setting up the, the stage for the win for Bora and Sagan, you would expect. Uh, some climbing coming into, you know, some cat, like I said, it's a two, three, a four, and a four. Uh, Sagan gets over the two, and Bora keeps the hammer down. And the reason I think they're keeping the hammer down is for a few things. One, make Bennett actually chase, make him chase to see if he can either get back on. He didn't get back on, distance all the climbers to make sure, or the sprinters to make sure that Bora could actually get to the finish and give uh, Sagan a chance for the full-on 50-point slog of green points. And, and a stage win, which they've been trying to get here. Um, so there was that on tap. <clears throat> the other thing is make Bennett chase uh, just far enough and just putting the, the hammer down just enough to make him chase where he's going to be expending energy uh, on a day, you know, a little bit more out there alone to the point where maybe he doesn't make it to Paris. Maybe he gets time cut. Stage 15, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, puts a lot of work in there and makes him, you know, by the time we come through the Alps, he might not, uh, he might not be actually make the time cut and make it to Paris. Or maybe you, you wear him down a little bit where Sagan can actually start making a little bit of headway into this thing. Anyway, so that's what you have. Uh, there's some breaks away. Mateo Trenton's up the road. He's still trying to go for these points and he's kind of clawing those back. Um, but 
in the in the last and we'll, we'll talk about the team tactics here because once again you know we talked about the other day with um, Mark Hershey and their team tactics coming into play and finally getting the win and kind of the, them doing it to perfection uh, where I thought Bora kind of screwed some things up and I honestly think it's a it's kind of a replay of that here as well now Bora did a really good job with uh, Danny Martinez trying to get the win the other day uh, was at stage 13 and doing everything they could to get it and they just got out muscled uh camna and um shockman just got out muscled by danny martinez which you know in the end it's it's what it is and you know i want to say that too looking back i, I re-watched that stage we talked about it with chris on friday but i re-watched that stage and i'll tell you what ef education first was amazing on that day early in the in the day they're trying to get in the break and Hugh, there, there's a, a small break up the front then there's this pursuers out there that are kind of in between with Philippe and some others and then danny martinez comes off the break off the off the field the peloton to bridge up to the the pursuing guys before they get to the main break and everything kind of uh, conglomerates there and hugh carthy and him <clears throat> were full gas and i actually hugh carthy what a, what a ride of the day um, to get um, Danny Martinez up to the, the the pursuers, and then eventually, you know, doing work on the front for him to get into the break when they uh, when um, Nilsson Palace kind of faltered. Uh, yeah, well done. They took the team lead jersey or the team uh, GC. But will they end up holding that? Well, they're going to hold it for at least one day here. Coming in the last twenty k, things are still hotting up. Last five eight point five jumbo and and Ineos get on the front. Eight and a half to go. Port gets a flat and you're mechanical and you're like, oh, here we go again, Richie Port. But he did the full on bike swap. He at least had Kenny Ellis on there, who's maybe the only other rider in the, in the race, maybe Huguita, who's his size. So he can uh, easily do a bike swap. He gets, he actually comes back to the group, which is pretty good because up to, there were some uh, cap four coming into the finish in Lyon and it was pretty heavy duty. Uh, the Colt de la Croix Russell in the next 7.5, we saw uh, Tish Benut go. Uh, uh, Thomas DeGant tried to t- try to make a move. We saw Bernal, Hershey. They all took a dig. Van Ammermatt, Sagan. Uh, and in the end, Soren Krang Anderson countered with 3.3 and held on for the win. But let's just reverse back there a little bit and talk about what Bora actually did on that day. You had when Sagan uh, went after Hershey at 3.9 kilometers to go. Hershey's done three big moves, uh, narrowly missed the win on stage two. Uh, he ends up, you know, narrowly missing it on stage. I think it was nine, and then he ends up finally getting his win. So you've had him up the road many times, and potential guy. I mean, roll the dice. Maybe he has three wins in this race. Uh, pretty impressive. So he was marked when he took off, and Sagan chased him down three point nine or so to go, and then didn't have anybody with him. But you roll it back a little bit further than that. Tish Benut, he really makes a move for Sunweb early on in the uh, like seven or so k to go. A hard, hard move. You had uh, Leonard Kamna bridges up to him and goes through him and decides to keep pursuing it. Now everyone's chasing Kamna. Kamna's, you know, emptying the tank. He's out there alone. Uh, and by the time they reel him in, when Sagan has to chase down Hershey and uh, Philippe, he's doing that because he really feels that at this point he doesn't have much of a choice. He's got to. This is the move that's going to go. He's got to be doing this. But then Stonecrow Anderson does a counter move immediately counters off of that 3.3 ends up has a little bit of pitching and up and down in there and some enough descent where he easily makes the win so my contention with bora is you made sagan get on the front and then sagan ends up uh, so there's him and i think he was like third or fourth on the day so he got a few points but he missed out on the win which would have been nice would at least save bora a little bit 
and he also missed out on on the full-on points that would go with that. So Kamna, what are you, what are you doing in that sense, uh, leaving Sagan totally vulnerable? You know, if you're there and you're not up the road, because uh, you're not going to solo in from that distance. I mean, there's there's too much flat. You still have to go. You know, look at Anderson as the kind of rider he is compared to Kamna. And Kamna, I'm sorry, I think you should have still been holding back for Sagan. Um, you, then Kamna probably could have chased down that Sagan or the the yeah, the Alaphilippe move. And Sagan could have gone with Anderson or vice versa. But you would have, you know, you saw uh, Sagan yelling into his microphone uh, for some help over the top when he caught uh, Alaphilippe. So I just think um, Bora on the day, they're close, but they're doing a few things. And, and look, they put the hammer down all day. It was excruciating for everybody. I think Bennett's in a world of hurt for all that. But he's hanging on. So in the end, you had um, Stormcraft Anderson taking the win. Maybe we'll pull up the actual results for stage 14 and just kind of give a look at what those are. But you had Anderson uh, ended up holding off for the win. It was pretty amazing. You know, the guys afterwards, that whole team, I guess they're the youngest uh, team age-wise in the tour this year. So we've got Anderson gets the win, Luka Medjuga. You know, I also mentioned to Chris, I was like, oh, there's just three Slovenians. There's Jan Palank. There's obviously the two, uh, Roglic and Pogacar. But there's actually five. Uh, Luka Medjuga is another one. Um, maybe we'll just <laughs> search by all the all the nations here, uh, not Slovakia. You know, there's one Slovakian, which is, as we know, Peter Sagan. Uh, Mezgik, Pogacar, Roglic, Matej Mahorek, and Jan Palank. So there's your five Slovenians, more than the Americans have in the tour for a little country. That's pretty impressive. But what you had here, Anderson, Luka Mezgik uh, comes in second, Simon Kisani uh, for third, and Peter Sagan fourth. Um, but look at Sunweb, Casper uh, Pedersen in fifth. You had the first, fifth, and Hershey still in there in tenth. They did a great job on the day of getting the team win, and and you saw the whole team congratulating. And then actually, um, Tom Dumoulin comes across the line. And he has a big congratulations to uh, Anderson. You know his former former team there with Sunweb. So it's kind of an interesting day. Um, you know, everyone had to hammer it out. It probably wasn't as easy as day as some were hoping. Um, but in the end, you know, it's it's kind of what it was. And then we had stage 15. And I thought we'd do um, for stage 15, maybe take a listen to uh, Jonathan Scriven and his description of what he expected on the day. Uh, back once again, getting close to those mountains. Yeah. So so if we look at stage 15, this is from Lyon to the Grand, Grand Colombier. Now, the Colombier has been in this many times, but here okay. we are now taking a look at a at a fairly impressive mountain stage that is in the Jura mm. region. And what's very cool about this, as I was looking at it, is so the Grand Colombier is this climb that you can ascend ascend from a lot of different angles. And the tour decided we're going to do them all. So this stage oh. is actually um, an ascent up the same climb three different ways. And that's a very cool way to do it. So the Grand Colombier will be the end. And the last 70 kilometers or so of this of this stage is essentially climbing the same peak three times. So that's kind of cool. So each one will be slightly different. Of course, you can see there the pitch is different um, depending on what which side you go up. But that's a sort of an interesting tactic to use. If you look at the map, it's just a jumble there because they're just going around in circles as they climb up that uh, Colombier three times. A, a, a great insight because when you just look at the profile, you don't get that. Correct. Um, you, can't, you can't see that and, profile, but, but and it doesn't. But, it's not like the same name each time either. No. So. Correct, because each time you go, it's a slightly different peak. 
So, and that's very typical. Even something like Mont Ventoux, I'm wearing the shirt. There's, there's three different ways to climb that. And each way is very, very different. I mean, it's uh, night and day in some ways. So that's the same with the Colombier. Uh, 8.1% for the first time up, 8.7% for the second, 11.5 kilometers and then 6.9. And then the last one is, uh, well, it's a, it's a slog of 8.3 yeah. and 9.6 for the last 3.4. Yeah. Um, so yeah. a total of 7.4 and 3.4. I mean, looking at that, that's right. going to be a beast the last way it's that you're going up there. It's a beast. And it was a beast. And, um, it was a bit uh, 14 some K for the final climb up there. So that was interesting. And if we had looked at the, and we did look at the map, they're coming in, they're heading a little bit Northeast. They come into the Jure right before they start to hit the Alps as, as Jonathan Scriven had said. And then they do kind of a clockwise loop around, um, hitting the first, uh, climb. The second one is called the bitch, <laughs> right? Col de la bitch. I'm sure it's pronounced a little differently, but um, those were had some super, super steep. I think the Monte de la Sella Fromentel, that's the first one they went up. I think they had the most ridiculous uh, steep stuff. You saw um, Matt Goggle. He was actually weaving back and forth across the road. Big guy. He and Pierre Rallon ended up staying away uh, for a little bit um, over the first two climbs, at least. And then, and look, still have Costnafoy in the King of the Mountains jersey. I don't know why he's he's the guy. No one's really going for that in a, in a concerted effort. And I think if you did, any guy that can actually climb, you would be uh, someone. And actually, um, right now, I think you're getting Pogachar in second place on the King of the Mountains, like off by two two points or so. So it's a little bit there. So what you had there, big GC day. They're on the edge of the Alps. Uh, big climbs coming up. Last 78k, as we just mentioned, uh, they all route going around there. Um, and and by the way, they had finished up the Grand Colombier uh, on the Tour d'Alin last month with. Uh, Roglic winning that stage. So with that win, he he had obviously seen that. Now, the, two days before, he said, "Oh, I, I'd never seen this climb on stage uh, 13." So he didn't he didn't know what was going on that. But you know, he seems to do, um, no significance on the sprint for that day, which is kind of an interesting you know way that's playing out because um, both well, Bennett took it and uh, or there were two points off, two different. So it, you know, not much much difference there. I think you're always going to see Bent on the intermediate sprints. He's always going to be be able to take the um, uh, the points away from Sagan on that. So Sagan's going to have to, once again, dispel him, dispatch him on some of these ones and try to get more points, uh, you know, either if the sprint point is between mountains, which you do have coming up, or whether it's just at the finish, if you could get rid of him on the mountains. But you're getting less and less of those days, although I think tomorrow might be a day um, you could do that. So on the last, look, coming up the last climb, 14-some K, uh, I think before that, Guillaume Martin had had a little trouble. Even Bernal was kind of sitting at the back. Martin then ends up with a mechanical. Jesus Arada, who had been in the break, paces him. Took some takes him a while to pace back up. The whole jumbo team, though, is assembled on the front, and they're able to. I mean, almost everyone except for the the big guy that does the hammer throw that that's not expected to be on the climb. And you start into the bottom of the climb with Hessink, um, followed by Dumoulin, and then Wout takes over. Uh, George Bennett has a stint there on a really steep section. It's a short, short portion that he takes over, but um, it was pretty significant at least at that point. And then Tom Dumoulin crushes the last half of it, and then you Sepp who, and Roglic are still there. Sepp takes over for a small part, and then Roglic actually, um, you know, inside the last one k, does a little move and ends up. Um, I don't know if he's leading out Sepp. But we'll talk about that a little bit. So let's 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 go back down to the climb. Uh, while Van, I think 
puts the move on. The field is dwindling down. You don't see any attacks up this climb, but for one with Adam Yates. Um, while Van Ert is on the front pulling away, and at some point, uh, Bernal starts to have trouble. Wout ends up sitting on the front for about seven, uh, I'm sorry, five five miles, just holding on. You know, like I said, this is a long climb. He's there crushing it for the most part. You're seeing Bernal then have trouble, Nairo have trouble. Neither one of these guys, though, I mean, yes, um, Wout's climb and his pace is brutal, and it's shedding the field. But when you have someone like Jan Hurt, who's still there, who gets dropped, uh, after Bernal, who we then see in the distance, and, and Nairo, you know that Nairo and uh, Egan Bernal are just having um, bad days in, in general. Um, Nairo, you can see that he had fallen a few days ago inside his shorts. You can you can actually see a bulge of his <laughs> of his bandage uh, on his pelvis. So he has obviously had suffered his whole left arm was uh, bandaged pretty heavily. Egan was being paced by teammates as route um, ended up riding with them at some point. Um, Tom Dumoulin then goes to the front and sets another furious pace. We'll talk about perhaps his, why is he not riding for the overall, uh, one attack, like I said, by Adam Yates, but it was easily reeled in just kind of a slow motion pullback, no attacks until finally the birthday boy, Sepp Cuss gets on the front and, uh, inside the last one cave Roglic takes off. And I'm not sure if he was, maybe he's trying to set up Sepp Cuss cause he, why we kind of, it wasn't much of attack, but Sepp immediately sees this and there's no real gain. And he goes right back to the front and starts setting the pace again, uh, for Roglic. And then you had Roglic and Pogacar attacking in that last, you know, K or so there, uh, with, uh, Richie Port being distanced, Lopez, Landa, uh, Cuss and Moss. And they all kind of came in just uh, shortly after. Actually, Port was uh, a little closer than those guys were uh, with Pogacar taking the win and the bonus time seconds. A few of them, I think he ends up uh, overall gaining four seconds on the day. Um, Rand was next up. And then, you know, Bernal was like seven minutes back. I think uh, somewhere around the long lines of Nairo as well. A uh, little bit more devastating for those Colombians in this sense because you didn't... Um, you didn't expect that. I mean, everyone's like, oh, we're coming into the uh, the mountains. We're coming into the Alps. We're going to start seeing uh, Bernal in his in his hometown, you know, not hometown, but in his is really what he likes. He likes the higher mountains. He likes the long sustained climbs, although these were a little bit. And he just said he didn't have the power. It might have been a hunger flat. I don't know. Or maybe he's just not been on. You know, he really hasn't been on since the Daphne. And you, once again, you're getting a lot of criticism. And I, I listen to a ton of podcasts, so I still see this criticism. And I don't think that people are taking into effect what the COVID year is really about. What I mean by that is the criticism is Roglic. He's coming in way too hot. We've seen him falter in the Giro. This can't last. Okay, well, he did the Giro last year, and he didn't have the team. We've talked about that. He lost um, two, three riders early on that, do, that were supposed to be there to help. Sepp Kuss was there. Sepp was not the rider he is now, uh, and he was left all alone. He had a bike transition issue. His Remember, his um, managers were off taking a piss at one point when he needed a new bike. It was a whole shit show, and he, he wrecked, and he had some problems. Um, and yes, he did not look great in the last uh, part of that. He came in really hot and then kind of faded. But like I said, some of that might have been due to some wrecks. Then you had him in the Vuelta. Once again, he did the Giro. Then he does the Vuelta. And in the Vuelta, you didn't see that. You saw a different Sepkas. You saw a Nielsen Palace. Both of those guys were there to support him. And you never saw uh, Roglic losing time to someone who mattered. Now you fast forward into this season. Um, he had not even raced prior to the lockdown. We come out of the lockdown. Roglic then does the Slovenian champ. That's this first race, the Slovenian championships. He wins that over Pogacar. 
He loses on the team time trial. He wins the road race. And you're seeing him flying high. Also, the Dauphiné is two weeks prior to the than it normally is. So it was much closer to the Tour de France. So you need to be a little hotter there maybe than you did. And then he got injured. And maybe that injury actually pulled him back and uh, made him uh, rest up a little bit. My point is, I don't see him. Well, I could be totally wrong, but I don't see it being the same as last year. Plus, just not ha- everybody not having all this. Um, everyone's fresher except for Bernal. And you looked at Bernal over the lockdown, he was doing some crazy ass rides, uh, you know, 15, 17, 18,000 feet of climbing eight, nine hour days or something like that. I mean, I'm probably a little over the top, but they were some huge, huge days he was riding. Still, what, early 20s. I don't know that that's something that the body can sustain uh, at that age. I'm just throwing out hypotheticals and, and projections here. My point is, I don't see that you, you don't match last year and this year, and then if, just say, oh, Roglic is going to burn out. First of all, he put in two big grand tours last year. His body can handle this, and he comes off of those into this year being a little bit more refreshed. So maybe maybe it's not quite the thing. Um, also interesting, uh, Port had a, had a really good ride holding up there. He was, he was distanced by them, but, uh, you know, it wasn't Wollonga. He kind of, he kind of rode hard on the front before Pogacar took an attack and he was distancing and it was good to see him. I mean, he's, he, he stuck his nose out in the front and, and, and he rode well and he, and he deserves to be, he was up to sixth place. If he hadn't lost time on the, the windy stage where he was out in the wind, um, you know, he would be back there. Pogacar had taken some time that he had actually brought back. So he's, uh, not suffering as much as Port due to that stage uh, on the flats. Uh, Iran, Iran's now in third place, and he, you know, this is the final results you had here. Um, Gates, Landa, all these guys, Subcus, who looked like he could have possibly won the stage. I don't know why he didn't really go for it. Gamertan, uh, 325 for a guy that was d- uh, kind of distance off the back. Quintana loses 350, not so bad after he got distanced early. Um, Barkey. Egan Bernal losing seven twenty on the day along with Martinez. So team, it's interesting here. Um, go to teams. Um, EF they got decimated with Higuita crashing out. We'll talk about that in a second here. Movie star back into first place. Jumbo Visma fourteen fifty back and and twenty six minutes down uh, for EF um, on the GC. Roglic in first forty seconds to Tagged Pogacar. Ran one thirty four. Ran just hasn't faltered. He's been pretty steady. Uh, we'll see how he does in that last time trial, though. Uh, Lopez, Yates, Port, Landa, Mass, Nairo. Top 10, though, all within five minutes. Tom Dumoulin, top 10. Sepkus, 17th place at 34-37. Points jersey, Sam Bennett over Sagan, 269 to 224. The youth jersey, that's just on GC. And if you're under 25, that's 232 to 235 to Enric Mass. I don't think you're going to see any changes in there. KOM jersey, God, we need to change this. 36 to 34 to 33. You finally have a Pogacar, Roglic um, moving up into, uh, and, and Pierre Rolan kind of as well. Um, and then we mentioned the, the, the teams there. So what, what do we really see from there? Well, one, we said the two Sylvanians really coming out, being good. Uh, you saw the, the Colombians then are a grouping next with a, a throw-in on the UK gentleman, uh, Adam Yates, who's going to Ineos, by the way. You also see uh, Richie Port from Australia, who's going to Ineos, by the way. So the two top Ineos riders, Port and Yates, neither one of them on that actual team. Um, we'll see how Ineos uh, comes back and rebounds. Maybe, maybe again, you know, he said he had the best power numbers the day before, just could, couldn't match the, the top riders two days before that. And maybe just had a hunger flat. We'll see. 
COVID-19, look, as we're doing this, I haven't seen any reports of COVID-19 positives. So perhaps um, we're going to get come out clean on the second rest day. I'm just looking over the news as we go here. Nothing, nothing, nothing about it. So uh, hopefully we won't have any problems. I did see where the Ineos uh, staff member who had tested positive, they did they finally are able to do follow-ups and it was a false positive. So um, Ineos, but then they're resetting. So in case you didn't hear that, uh, it was going to be two positives in the whole group, your staff and rider, any two positives, your whole team is gone. Um, they tried to change that. The French government said, no, that's the way we're doing it. And now they're still holding up to that, but they're resetting it. So if you had a one positive, which I think Kofidis, AG2R, Mitchton Scott, and Ineos all did. Well, now not Ineos because they re retested and it was a false positive. Those three teams. Now starting the second rest day, they're resetting that whole thing. And I think the teams are probably doing their own internal testing as it is just to make sure that, you know, if you get someone popping them out, making sure that they're not going to be a problem. We'll keep you up on date on that. But as of right now, nothing that I've heard um, about that. How about the Ineos team tour regret? Um, team Ineos, you know, they made a tour decision not to bring Thomas, not to bring uh, Chris Froome. Uh, you saw both of those weren't riding well at the Daphne, not so great at the Alain. And they were both kind of fighting for the team, a chance to, to make the team. Well, leaving both of them off, was that a mistake now that you have Bernal crushed in the overall, losing seven minutes, basically he's out of it on that, I would imagine. They're not going to let a guy like that get up the road anyway. Um, Thomas, you know, he's now finished second at Trainer Adriatico behind Simon Yates. Just today in the time trial, he did uh, pretty good in that one. Um, he took the, he was able to go from third to second over um, Bravo Micah, but not enough to overcome Simon Yates, who was doing pretty well. Evidently, he told the team that he did not want to be going to the Tour de France if he was not allowed to ride for the lead. So they said, okay, see ya, don't come to the tour. So they didn't pick him. Froome, uh, still not riding well. Um, he said he would be able to do something at the tour and he kind of was lamenting the fact that he's not there and, and should have been. Uh, but evidently he told the press that he wasn't even given the option or the, uh, the input about his riding the Tour de France and much like, uh, unlike Thomas, who seemed to, you know, Thomas second last year, uh, first the year before that. And obviously we've had, uh, three years ago, um, Chris Froome winning it. Um, Bernal blows up. So there's real no option B in that case, uh, Carapaz, he was not on track for the Tour de France. And so he's not really that option B anyway. And we've seen him take some really, uh, ill attempted attacks. And not really doing, you know, they're not really riding quite as great as a team. Remember, they lost uh, Nicholas Portal, their team director. He was quite a, quite the man that held the things together, and and maybe they're just not quite the same direction that they have. Uh, so, what are their team options? Well, Bernal blows up, so they have no option B in place. Like I said, Carapaz wasn't going to be that one. You have the leadership of Froome and Thomas, who might have been able to help this thing a little bit. I don't know what they could have done. The death of uh, Portal. And then the last question I was thinking about yesterday, when you see Tom Dumoulin on the front for so long, still holding the top 10, and even after he peeled off and Sepp Kuss took over, you still see him trying to slot in as best he can and holding his way to the top with uh, as, as, as much without losing time. He did a really, really hard pace and set a really good show um, of, of, of turn there uh, for the team. Would you see Thomas or Froome doing the same for another team member if they were put in that same position? I, I don't think you would. I, you see them doing little things here and there. Last year, there was some questions about Thomas. Is he chasing down Bernal? You know, because he was kind of riding for the overall. And I think 
you know, Kreuzewick had come on and said, whoa, 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 when Tom, you know, decided that one day he was going to, and that was the day that was kind of necessary because um, it appeared it might have been necessary, except Cus was having a bad time. He wasn't up there anymore. And Dumoulin was a takeover, kind of like, oh, someone needs to. I don't know that he needed to that day. And Kreuzewick was saying it was totally unnecessary and he could have held back and still been racist for the overall. I think you're going to see Tom Dumoulin in the top 10 and kind of wonder why he was doing this. I still think well, we'll see how the time trial goes. Maybe we revisit this after that and kind of see where he is. So uh, kudos to him. You know, big, big fan of Tom for laying it down for his team and for Roglic in such a dramatic, you know, Roglic must be a decent enough guy or you're getting paid well enough to, to do this. Or maybe you're just that that great of a teammate because uh, you're not seeing other other big name riders kind of throwing it down. Like, well, except for Wout. I mean, <laughs> he is doing it. I don't know if everybody saw, and we'll see if we can pull this up here, the Sergio Haguita yesterday. He ends up uh, crashing out, and he was crashed out by Bob Jungles. And it was it was quite a dramatic thing. And then I saw some, some responses on it. Um, maybe we'll see if we can play this without getting ourselves in trouble. Um, we'll just go off of Twitter here <clears throat> and give some credit to Coors. It's probably Sporza. And boom, hard takedown. It was really hard. Uh, and then, of course, keep riding. So they'll, they'll replay it here. Huguita goes down hard, 150, 160K to go. Um, he does end up remounting. The doctors come over because, you know, they're worried about Roman Bardet and his concussion. But look, he looks for, even tries to break. He looks over, he's drifting. He's even drifting a little bit. And that's a dramatic move by Bob Jungles. I don't know that that's ever necessary. That's quite the cat five move done by Bob Jungles. Team to coin a quick step. I don't know if I've ever heard from Lefevre if he's uh, expecting lawsuit on this or not. But Huguita, <clears throat> he was able to remount and get back to the group. And then as soon as he did, he crashed again and ended up abandoning. Uh, evidently, he broke his hand. And he was, the second crash, he wasn't even able to um, to break. So that was part of the problem. So it looks like to me, that was pretty obvious that that was, um, Bob jungles fault. And with that though, I thought it'd be interesting to play here a little segment from David Miller, who David Miller, if you listen to my review of Jonathan Vodder's book, book report, not a fan of each other anymore, but uh, take a listen. This is from ITV podcast, David Miller, who does the ITV broadcast with Matt Rendell. We'll see Igita today. Unbelievable. Oh, that was horrible. Poor dude. That was yeah. horrible. That was, that was a classic racing incident, wasn't oh, it? A classic Jonathan Vorta's tweet afterwards. Oh, what was it? Going after Bob Youngles. No. Job Bungles. Yeah. Oh, God, that was Job just Bungles. a pure incident. And he literally tagged him in it. Oh, that happens all the time. What it's did like, he say, yeah, though? Just, no one crashes. He said, I can safely say my least per popular person right now is Bob Young Bob Jungles. Ooh. That is ridiculous. Something like that. And it's just like, why? It wasn't his fault. Right, so racing move. Totally different. We lost the Igita today. It wasn't his, his uh, fault. It was a racing move. <laughs> like they were so, they were so exasperated with um, Jonathan Botters basically saying, "Ah, oh, hey, Bob Jungles isn't my favorite." You just took out one of your big riders <clears throat> who might still have a chance at a stage win. Uh, one of your up and coming riders. I mean, Botters talks about him all the time. Won the Tour of Columbia, second in the Tour of California behind Pogacar, so he can obviously you know ride uphill well. And you know maybe he he had an injury. 
he was he had an injury yeah he, i think he wrecked early on so he's been kind of trying to come back from that and i think you're starting to see a resurgence of that he's a big player for uh, your team in in the in the last week of the tour and um yeah oh and my god you tagged jungles in a in a tweet and therefore it's uh, the worst thing in the world uh, i thought it <laughs> I just thought it was the dumbest thing uh, to say. Uh, and maybe, uh, look, was that a racing move? This, these are the things that you do for a Cat 5 that you um, get called out for. Um, I, it was a harsh move over to the right. Now they're saying, oh, look, he was overlapping wheels. But he really wasn't. I mean, you're, you're going down a hill. There's a plenty of room there. And Bob Jungles uh, says he, you know, sorry and, and whatnot. But um, he did not have to make that dramatic of a move. If you did that in any rate, that's not a racing move. I'm sorry. Uh, what, what Huguito was doing, looking back, that's a racing move. And I can understand if you overlap and those things go down. Uh, but he did bring his head back, and then he sees what's happening. He tries to grab a handful of brake, but it doesn't matter because uh, Bob Jungles was taking a do-right turn. It looked like Fauci's pitch on, on the, the first pitch that went the opposite direction of what he was supposed to. Um, Jungles, I'm really sorry for taking Huguito out of the Tour de France. The corner quick step rider defends himself after EF Pro Cycling rider crash. Eh, did you predict we were fighting for the break. I was on the front, and at one point, I wanted to pass the turn onto Sergio without knowing he was on my right. And the other people told me he was looking back at that point. And there you go. Eh, is that a reason? So people often overlap. You don't just expect that they're not going to. Crashes like that are always unfortunate. That's part of the point. Uh, that's true. I was swinging off the right after an attack. I didn't see him on my right side. Unfortunately, I must have hit his front. Must have hit his front wheel. Yeah. Do you think so? And yeah, I'm really sorry to hear he's out of the wreck uh, uh, race because of a crash. I don't know what to say. Yeah. It, look, I, I'm not taking Bob Jungles. Um, uh, I feel really bad for him. I spoke to his teammates. Okay, an ambulance. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm not. I'm not going after Jungles on this, but I'm just going after people that want to. I did and I maybe I need to do some research or maybe you guys can do this for me. Um, how did David Miller feel about or Peter Connick? That was the other person that was chiming in there. Uh, they were just appalled. Uh, how did they feel about Dequan, a quick step rider getting just an erase incident, getting um, into the barriers and almost losing his life at the tour of Poland? That just that okay? That's that's perfectly fine. Uh, you, you're up and you you probably are really steamed at Lefevre for trying to bring criminal charges and uh, lawsuits against Gronewagen saying he should be expelled for just just doing a race move, dude. It's not that big of a deal, right? No, anyways, it, it might be. Uh, last thing we'll talk about is Roglic. He said Tour de France leader insists that he has nothing to add. You know, this is what you get every time you win or you're in lead. Slovadian said he can definitely trust his performance when asked if he is competing clean. This is like the, when did you stop beating your wife type of thing, right? Asked about his credibility, given there are always questions of the tour leaders going to the third week. Roglic answered, there is no need, no need for concern. Uh, I think there is a lot of uh, doing a lot of controls today. A little after 6 p.m., I had a full control, he said. I also now, I just had a control. So I think there is really nothing to hide. And at least looking from my side, you can definitely trust it. Now, the problem here is obviously it's not... It's the, the kind of the environment and the scenario that Lance Armstrong has put out where, you know, he bashed everybody and ripped everybody. And in the end, he was really dirty, really dirty and had gone after everybody for, you know, um, making accusations. But you can't. I mean, because one of the parts is he used to say, I've never had a positive test. Well, Lance had had that one, but he passed a bunch of them and he was dirty as can be. So these riders pass these. So it's hard to have the belief and just to say and, and to rely on the, 
the testing as the method for proving your innocence. But then what else do we have? We've not really much else we can do, but uh, hope. And then actually maybe just think of it a little bit more in a sporting context of, uh, for me at least, um, entertainment. It's entertainment. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I don't think the writers do quite the quite the attacking that they used to do. I've talked about this before where you're seeing them slug it out with two big climbs to go and then they slug it out on the last climb. I just don't think that's physically possible and you're not really seeing that anymore. It's it's more long steady stuff until the last, you know, few K and then they they take a one or two attacks and that's about all they have in them. What do we have coming up? Well, today's rest day, stage 16 tomorrow, uh, to Vallaluron, 164K. It's a little bit of a mountain day. It's a four, a two, a two, a one, and a three. Last three is at or near the summit height uh, prior to the cat one. So it kind of dips up to the one, dips down, and then hits the last three. So uh, maybe, I don't know if it's going to be a GC day, uh, especially with coming up the next day, stage 17, uh, up to Col de Lowe's, 170K. We have a Mike Sayers video of, of that we'll try to put out. And that's just flat, 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 and then HC and HC, two big climbs. So those ones will be uh, pretty harrowing. So when you have that coming up on stage uh, 17, plus the other stuff that happens later on in the week, sometimes stage 16, when it looks like on paper, it's going to be a big blowout. It uh, quite possibly is not. And then lastly, how about the ride of the week? I'm giving it to Richie Port. Um, Richie Port's been uh, rumored pretty heavily to be going to Ineos next year. And this is probably his best tour that he's ever done, especially when they're saying that the, the competition is so high and everyone, the level is so high. And he's hanging up there with the, you know, the 20, 21 year old Bogacar and the 30 year old uh, Roglic and just come off his, his win at the Vuelta. Pretty impressive uh, Roglic that is. So it's good to see Port kind of coming back, makes it through stage nine, no crashes so far. Has a bad wind day. Bummer. I wish he hadn't had that. It would have been a little bit tighter front. Would have been a little more exciting. Uh, he's had a little bit of support. Uh, Baca Molimer did crash out, so he has been less for support from, from teammates. Yeah, Kenley Ellison is there. But he's been able to just hang tough. Um, like I said, he had a, a bike mechanical, which you thought, oh, man, I remember this when he was uh, dueling with um, um, TJ Van Garderen for the lead of BMC, and he comes in the last 5K and has a flat. He's on the front. And no teammates are there to, to help him out, and he, he loses a bunch of time. He's not having that this time. So, so far, he's been able to rebound. He's been able to do well. And uh, I'm giving him the ride of the week because um, even when the, the, the S hit the fan in the last K there, he did put his nose in the wind and got distanced on. Uh, he distanced uh, Lopez and a few of the other guys. Um, was almost be able to hang with um, Roglic and Pogacar in the finish. So for that, we are giving him the ride of the day, or at least the ride of the week, or something, the ride of something. And anyway, everybody, that's what we have for today's episode. I hope you uh, enjoyed it. Episode 197. 197. Cruising up here, getting close to 200. And pretty soon, we will have 200 episodes in the book, and we'll probably hit that in the uh, during the tour. All right. Thank you for joining today. Be well. Keep safe. Hope you have some good air quality out there.